tell me how to say ladies and gentlemen in gender neutral terms. That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. I think you broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. A story mode that I hate already. Um, right here at the bottom corner of your screen, if you're watching live, you can't really see them, but that is a dog under a blanket who just got one of his vaccines today, so he's in a bad mood. And... On uh, in other news, in the wrestling news, CM Punk uh, sells out Madison Square Garden for the first time in uh, 2000. What was it? It's a shame that CM Punk is a nobody and worth nothing. Yes, it's a shame that this locker room cancer goes to whatever company he works for and instantly draws them crowds, money, ratings, and attention. The good kind. Yes. What a yeah. loser. Yes. A loser. <laughs> oh my god. I yeah, did... I uh and he and he did a match with Dominic, which I did watch and I, I hate watching crowd film uh crowd, crowd recorded matches, but I did watch that one and it's fine. It was... And uh Dominic could not have been a better opponent for him, uh specifically because of their great angle that no one has brought up. Um, of uh, during the Straight Edge Society Punk era, when he and Ray were feuding, and tiny blonde haired Dominic was in the ring, and CM Punk was calling himself Daddy, uh, before Randy uh-huh. Orton was. That's right. That's right. I'll be your daddy, kid. Yeah, but seeing those two, it had, and it had to be a thrill for both of them, uh, since they've known each other for so long. Man. And who better than Dominic, you know, the heat magnet, you know, also coming out with Rhea. And did you see the cam footage where Rita, where Rita, Rhea, yeah. Rhea hit Punk while the referee's back was turned and then she went right to the crowd and stood in front of a fan who was taking video of it. And she, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, she's so, so beautiful good. and she's so, so good too. Uh, so good. And just, you know, we'll get to our year-end awards in a minute, but she's my female wrestler of the year, top five wrestlers of the year. Um, she, I was going to say, she has to be. Yeah, she brought it uh, every, all year, every day, all year. And, you know, uh, you you know, you can't wait till she turns face. And I, I know we're getting up on a Rhea tangent. We're supposed to be talking about Punk, but um, he... She does have a larger back. Yes. Um, to, to stand up, but... Punk coming out, the cult of personality in Madison Square Garden, his first match there in 10 years. Um, and they sell out because of him. Um, he wasn't even the main event, but the fact that this was CM Punk's first match at a house show, uh, it was, yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, 
And I know WWE, well, if they were smart, they would have, you know, made it a, an event on, on the cock. But, you know, live crowds aren't what they used to. And this will help people get back in the seats, especially since the uh, sale of the WWE to Endeavor. Uh, one of Endeavor's first edicts was they were going to cut down on house shows. So these moments are going to are going to be few and far between in the coming years. So seeing your favorite stars live, specifically as CM Punk, is um, something worth go- worth doing or worth going to. I can't imagine a world. Uh, by the way, Rita Repulsa. Repulsa. No, 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 not Rita Repulsa. There's a there's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, I can't <laughs> imagine. I can't imagine at least one house show a week. Yeah, like the uh, yeah, you know, that's and that's weird. That's down from there used to be at least two house shows a week. Yeah, you know, um, and it's so weird to say that when we talk so much, especially on, on this podcast and the historian about there's something happening every single day of the week, uh, and wrestlers would have would wrestle every single day of the week and twice on Sundays. Uh, to now we're just one house show a week and. To some, it would be too much. There was a couple of years there when I moved where I moved to where I was going only to the live events, only to the house shows for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mostly because driving into uh, Capital One Arena is a pain in the <laughs> Driving into D.C., uh, it came in a time. See, I saw when I see Paul Carney, 2014. 13 or 14. Uh, he had to s- start the show two hours later. Still played the full show, but for two reasons. One, it was raining and it was a stadium show. Two, uh, it took an hour and a half for anybody to get to our parking spot. Like well into showtime. Excuse me. Uh, wow. So for a little while there. I was staying outside the city and just going to the smaller arenas in Northern Virginia and seeing a bunch of uh, house shows, which is just as fun. And that's when I came. That's well documented where I came into. Tells that thing. Uh, One of those realizations about John Cena is not being for me and seeing this little kid go insane and watching his father, watching the little kid go nuts. And I was like, ah, that's it. Yeah, didn't take TV. I had to see it for myself, and it kind of was like, "Oh yeah, that's what that's for." Who cares? Yeah, who cares if I hate him? It, and yeah. I don't. But but yeah, but you're not the target audience. No, exactly. What's up, bud? Here, we're not playing a game. Join me while we chat. <laughs> I experienced something similar um, when I went with my mother to see the Taylor Swift movie. Um, because she wanted to see what all the fuss was about. And in the movie theater, there was five tiny uh, little girls that were running up and down the aisle or in the little concourse, jumping up and down for every song that she sang. Had I not gone to the movies, I never would have experienced that. And I was like, because I'm, I fell asleep, and I'm watching, you know, arms folded, legs crossed. I'm not the target audience, but these little girls, five of them, jumping up and down, in a watching a movie of a concert, 
um, they're going to remember that for the rest of their lives. And that's who that was for. So you don't experience that unless you're there. You know, uh, one of the people we lost this year was a uh, superstar, Billy Graham. And if you don't, if you didn't see Billy Graham live, you can't experience how loud it was when he got his Tony Gurria drop kicked him and he flew out of the ring. And all I remember, Dan, is beer because it got so loud and people jumped up. It knocked an usher and he had a whole tray of beer and it wasn't like holders of, for cups. It was a tray. A tray of beer. Yeah, yeah. And it all flew off. And I just remember just beer spilling down because it was so loud and people were jumping up and down for Tony Gurria of all people just because he dropkicked superstar Billy Graham out of the ring during superstars 10 months as champion. Yes. A uh, couple of lists came out, one by ESPN and one by uh, New York, New York Times, New York Post. That's eh, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, wrestling moments and and uh, stars of the year, and uh, Rhea Ripley. We were just talking about Rhea Ripley, women's wrestler of the year, and I say. Yes. Wrestler of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's an argument uh, uh, to be made. Um, she's not mine, but she, like I said she's in my top five. And uh, just to point out, Dan, she was ESPN's female wrestler of the year. The New York Post picked Becky Lynch, which uh, is surprising to me, um, considering that she currently doesn't have the belt. While Rhea has had one the entire year. Well, since WrestleMania. And she took it off of Charlotte, which was my match of the year. Um, interesting that both New York Post and ESPN picked the same match of the year. Um, but I digest. My match of the year was uh, Rhea and Charlotte at, uh, at a WrestleMania. I mean, it's really... It's really hard to argue that one. Yeah. Um, and most of our match of the years, my my top five were at that WrestleMania. My other one was the the triple threat um with uh Gunther Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Oh yeah. Um, Rhea Ripley, someone sometimes known as Rhea Shipley, shut up. I don't know what shut up about what. Yeah. Um I would say as far as women wrestling, and I'm I here you go, female breakout wrestler of the year from New York Post for AEW was Julia Hart. And I'd say she'd be a second uh place, if not tied for wrestler uh, women's wrestling wrestler of the year. Jesus. <laughs> you can do it. Christ. Julia Hart out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And and earned, in my opinion, rocketing to the top. Yeah. I, I try not to point out spelling mistakes very often, uh, Ash, in the chat, because I, I got the point across. You got the point across. I knew what you meant. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, that We're not on Twitter where so you're trolling me and I have to point out and be a grammar Nazi. Um, oh, my God. Moment of the year was Sammy turning on the bloodline. Uh, I think we all expected that. Not that I'm 
I'm not downplaying the moment because the moment was great, but I think we all knew it was leading to that. So it was like, yes, finally. Yeah. And see, my moment of the year also involves the bloodline, which was my uh, group of the year. Um, I know the uh, ESPN or New York Post, one of them picked uh, Judgment Day as their uh, group of the year. But my moment of the year was when Jay turned on Roman. Cause that I that oh, I yeah. did think. Yeah. So you that out the blood. Yeah. You out. Yeah. And I'm out too. Boom. That's what because that I did not see. Yeah, you're right. Everyone saw Sammy's coming. And the fact that it happened, you know, in Sammy's hometown or in Canada, that's you know, it was just it was satisfying. You know, you're actually giving the fans what they want and we could all see it. And even when we all, you know, we called it a year early. Uh, Sammy and Kevin winning the tag team championship and did it again, did it at WrestleMania and still satisfying. You know, we, even though we all knew the end, we all saw it coming. It, it was, I still think the bloodline is one of my favorite things that's happened in wrestling. I agree. Uh, and now, uh, Dan, just putting it out there now that the, uh, the lawsuit yeah. that MLW had against WWE has been settled, and now the Triple H is in charge, um, and can bring in new talent. I've always said, oh, yes, can add to the bloodline. So, yes, if they if they're any way, shape, or form, they can get Jacob Fatu into the blade. Jacob Fatu for the and for those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while knows that's who. I think solo should that should have been solo spot. Um, and nothing against no knock against solo who's doing an awesome job to a lot of people there. That was their male breakout uh star of the year. He's only lost once. Um and John Cena put him over big time. But Jacob Fatu should be a part of the bloodline sooner rather than later now that the MLW lawsuit has been settled. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, return of the year. Real, real shocking. CM Punk. Yeah. And we just, we already, you know, talked about that the week before. And we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show because of the MSG house show. That was huge. Um, yeah. No duh. <laughs> no duh. Interesting that both the New York Post and ESPN had the same tag team of the year. Yeah. Uh, it was undeniable. FTR. Yeah. They yeah, still remain. It's it's odd, you know the the Usos, Sammy and and Kevin had the biggest matches, um, but FTR remains still the single best tag team in all of wrestling. And the fact that ESPN and New York post, and let's not forget, it seems so long ago, but the FTR Briscoe brothers um, matches were the beginning of this year. And even the FTR uh, juice Robinson, Jay white matches, which were amazing. Their two out of three fall match was in my top five matches of the year. Uh, so those guys still are the single best tag team of the year, despite not having been on television now for going on two months. Yeah. 
they remain the best tag team in wrestling. Um, Badass wants to put her vote in for R-Truth as return of the year. I love R-Truth. I don't care. I love that man so much. I love that man. So it's a he deserves a job forever. And yeah. and don't forget, and don't forget, and I can say this proudly, and it counts. Former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Yes. Well, see, <laughs> but a lot more than Tyrus. More so than Tyrus. Yeah, I put um yeah, he's always on my list of forgotten NWA champions. Him, uh AJ. Rhino, Raven, all former NWA heavyweight champions. Uh, my return of the year, um, curiously, not CM Punk, um, even though we were all hoping against hope that, you know, hoping for the best that he would show up in Chicago. As soon as as soon as Punk was gone and we in earlier this year in April and we knew that Survivor Series this year was going to be in Chicago, it's like, well, come on. WWE can't drop the ball here, and they did. But my return of the year debut uh, or debut of the year, Dan, with absolutely no fanfare, no, he had no music, no ring entrance, didn't even get to walk down the ramp. My debut of the year, Nick Aldis. Yeah, so happy to see him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll give you that one. I like this to... moment uh, last week. Uh, Kevin Owens almost Kevin Owens did break him. Didn't almost yeah. he broke him, and that <laughs> man never breaks. No, and he lost it there, which was very funny to me. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I seem distracted. I'm keeping an eye on um on AEW Dynamite. Yes, sorry. As am I. I don't know what the name of these? Um, I um, it really got off to a. It, no, well, it got off to a really bad start because of the first of all this Fakakta tournament, which makes no <laughs> sense. Fakakta, <laughs> yes, um, that was a really needless bump that thankfully ended well, but it could have ended badly, especially when he talked about women in the AEW. Um, well, he's a moron. But uh, Moxley winning was the completely wrong decision. Um, especially when the hottest guy you have in the company, the one with the most momentum, the one that the fans are behind more than anyone else is Swerve. Um, yeah, but he's black, though. You know, Tony won't put him over. Oh, I know Tony won't do anything that's good for business, even the no. people that aren't black, like calls him, Bris- calls him like a season, like Mark Briscoe, like Ricky Starks. Oh, yeah, don't even get me. Hey, but you know who's back? Sammy Guevara. Oh, isn't, yeah. Isn't that great? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know who's also back? Sting and Darby. Uh, Darby the nonce Allen. Everything's fine. Uh, which is why I'm also keeping track of this show, because I saw something a couple of weeks ago. And tonight, if, I, if it happens, I'm going to lose my shit. And I want to see it live, quite frankly. And what is that? Well, if it happens, if it I, happens, I'm not giving done. the man uh, 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 a name drop. Okay. Unless I have to. Gotcha. Um, and when I start, you'll understand. But so far, nothing. And we'll see. Um, 
it's a man i have a huge 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 personal problem i understand and if that should give you a clue gotcha so we'll see uh, i'm watching i'm watching close yeah uh your your male wrestler of the year is whom wow You have to come back to me on that one. I don't know. Okay. I'll give you mine. With everybody. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with it, but yeah, go ahead. You first. With everybody saying. um, He single-handedly got himself over and he stayed over. And even with the returns of Randy Orton, who we haven't mentioned, and CM Punk, which we have, his popularity has not gone down one bit, which is impressive. Uh, but for a guy like that, um, he's he's my CTV. He's my he's my male star of the year. I MJF would have been easy. I just think turning him face um, wasn't a mistake. But the whole thing with yeah. Adam Cole didn't really help him out. No, nah, it was a mistake <laughs> at all. Uh, Punk is an, an, another easy choice. Still, the uncrowned, uh, well, the AEW world champion. He has never been defeated for that. Well, uh, Cody Rhodes is who um, uh, the ESPN picked as their wrestler of the year. But uh, but um, LA Knight with honorable mention to the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. Gunther. Those are my wrestlers. He just had a baby. Jenny just had a baby, his wife. Oh, congratulations, Congratulations, Gunther. Yeah. So, Walter Gunther, my uh, 1A of my uh, wrestlers of the year. It's uh, Uh, LA Knight and Gunther. I'll say LA Knight. I'll just say it. (laughs) Ashton said Chris Jericho. I couldn't say that with a straight face. Yeah. Who could? <laughs> Maybe no, LA, L- LA Knight. Uh, and I think, and I'll be honest, I think it was more so driven by the fact that all I see, well, that's not true. I, uh, majority of people absolutely support LA Knight along with myself. And I know you, you don't have anything against him. And, um, but I, I do see the outside. Of people go, he's just like the rock. He's just like this. He's just like the, yeah, you know, wrestling. Yeah. Wrestling. Jesus Christ, this eight man match they just made. Uh, wrestling is an ever cycle of not repetitiveness, because I don't mean that in a negative way, yeah. of recycling something. Yeah. And um... we've talked about this before. LA Knight is just doing it the best. Yes. <laughs> That's it. And LA Knight is just a the evolution of from a, a rock that came from uh, a Dusty Rhodes that came from a superstar Billy Graham that came from a Buddy Rogers you know that Ric Flair improved upon all everything is just a you know it's it that's how it goes. Um, so I he, obviously he's not copying them. 
Uh, and no, who could? He's just taken what he's learned, like yeah. wrestlers in the past, mm-hmm. and applying that to what he has become, which is a hybrid of the stuff that came before him, and will set the tone for things that will go after him. And, yes. and not only that, he's great in the ring. He's phenomenal on the mic, like we mentioned. Um, for years, the two best on the mics is going to be a fight between MJF and LA Knight. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and and go ahead. And MJF is just exactly what Roddy Piper is, was 30 years ago. And he's taken, like you just said, what Roddy Piper said and how he said it and applying it to today's, uh, he's less hyperactive, but, you know, Piper, which is a good thing. But uh, MJF's interviews are, you know, comparing uh, LA Knight to Rock or saying he's a Rock ripoff is just saying MJF is doing the same with uh, with Piper. He is the the this century's Roddy Piper. He was the next logical step in that. Yes. And I'll say heel and I'll double down saying uh, I don't give a crap about him when he's face. I don't care. Mm -hmm. No disrespect to MJF. It is not on him he's a bad guy he's the best as a bad guy he cuts heel promos there's no heel promos anymore hmm beg to differ uh yeah. that's what i want to see him now i'm still watching his matches mm-hmm. because you know they're good he's good yeah. but i i need him as a bad guy yeah well see aew is such a a, a purgatory because the most popular wrestlers there are the heels they get more re- they get a bigger reactions than your than your babyface. Swerve supposed to be your heel, but he gets a bigger reaction than a Moxley who's supposed to be your face. And you know, so he, people don't want to see him lose, and he but he's supposed to be your bad guy. And you now the crowd wants the the, the supposed heel to win, and they try to spin it like MJF. He's our scumbag. Um, well, no, he's he's not even a scumbag anymore. He doesn't even cheat to win as, you know, when you're a heel who turns face, you keep the heel persona. You still cheat to win. When, when uh, Tate DiBiase uh, became the biggest heel in the business before he got to the WWE, uh, when he had the loaded glove, when he turned face and he was getting the you know the the bad guys are getting the better of him he pulled out the loaded glove knocked it knocked the heel out referee didn't see it place went ape shit and there it is FTR right there Tag ESPN the Pro Wrestling ESPN Illustrated. Illustrated are they on television though nope F no or you, can also, you can also say that that's how good they are, is they haven't been on TV in a while. Everybody's like, no, they're the best. Yeah. I'm like, well, they've t- they've just taken a month off with pay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but aren't the current the gun? The, but the current AEW tag team champions aren't even on TV every week. Funny how when the Young Bucks were at the World AEW tag team champions, they were on TV every single week. But every team that's not the Young Bucks. When they're the AEW tag team champions, are never on TV. Why do you suppose that is? I just I don't know. I don't know. Our moment of truth is coming up here. The moment unless, of truth is coming up here. So they swerve us, and it's not tonight. And I swear to God. So it's the uh, Marcel Marceau twins. 
Hey, Mark Madden. Well, do you swerve when you drive, though? If this is indeed a swerve? I hope not. Okay, so... <laughs> bam. No, 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 no. I'm worried because it's on the overrun that they're not actually going to uh, reveal who it is. Okay. Uh, well, in fact, I expect them to go. No, watch the pay per view, jerk off, and uh, you know, you know. James, yeah. here we are with uh, we're in, we're at ten no, o'clock. I was gonna say we're at the overrun. Tape machines are rolling. Well, the uh, in fact, if you're watching this um on HIC uh talk radio, our podcast. We are currently watching in live time the AEW Dynamite, uh, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team title defense between uh, one half of the ROH Tag Team Champions, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, and his partner, Samoa Joe, while they take on two members of the Devil's Rejects. No, no, they would have shot people already. It's just the Devil's Men. The devil's men. Them. Okay. Uh, and out comes hold, Joe. Hold on. We're going to. I knew it. I knew it. Did you get to it? I just saw. <laughs> Pleasure doing business with you. Pleasure doing business with you. So... Okay. That's not what I was going to freak out about, by the way. I had no idea that was going to happen. And it didn't occur to me until you Bobby Heenan it and said, or is he? And I'm like, fuck <laughs> Joe's going to turn on MJF. I knew it. <laughs> Think of that. I knew it as being sarcastic. So I is did. he the devil the whole time? Is that yeah, the, but whose side is he on? Yeah, but who's yeah, you totally sold that like brain. Well, yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. Seriously, I had no idea. So the rumor was the rumor is that one of the devil's men is going to be Sammy Callahan. Okay. Oh God, no. <laughs> Good God, no. That's that's why I was waiting. Like, if that's what's happening, I want you to see my pure anger live. And whenever, if that's what ends up happening, oh Tony Khan, you piece of shit, you just wait. You just wait. Well, we no. got a better we got a better ending tonight. Samojo turning on MJF. And listen, yeah, but... <laughs> at least at least at least one of my favorite heels turned heel again. Yeah, well, that's that's what a heel should be and what a heel should do. It still begs the question, who is our current Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, though? I guess that's getting revealed tomorrow. Is the show tomorrow or um Saturday? Saturday. Saturday Tomorrow or is uh, that today it's not Friday today. <laughs> no, today is all is way still Wednesday uh, all day. Oh. And over here we also have a a AEW show Friday. Oh, Christ. Yeah, we have a rampage to uh, not watch on Friday. Well, before I get more sad, will you please? Yeah. The last professor historian of the year. Take us away, Dad. Oh, gentlemen and ladies, it has been quite the year uh, of our Lord 2023. We've gone over our favorite uh, wrestlers, female and male tag teams, breakout uh, returns, debuts uh, of this year in the present. uh, And the amazing news that the WWE could be up to one house show per week. 
<laughs> where what's okay. made this segment so enjoyable is the fact that house shows were something that happened every single day of the week and twice on Sunday for an entire year for year after year after year after year. And uh, it's uh, it was the lifeblood of the sport that we love and talk about constantly. The reason why you're on this podcast in the first place is because of your love for professional wrestling, mine too. So much so that I spent the last 50 years watching, obsessing, researching, and giving it back to you, our HIAC Talk Radio audience, the history that I love so much and I want to share with you for the last time in 2020-23, this is The Wrestling Historian. And I want to take a special look at one of the things that made wrestling what it was and one of the big money days of the year was holidays. Holidays were a day where you would spend your Thanksgiving in the afternoon with your family, eat early, because that night you had to go right to the Coliseum, the Omni in Atlanta, the Reunion Arena in Texas, the uh, Charlotte Coliseum, because there was holiday spectaculars. None bigger so than Christmas Day. Christmas Day, there was a always a big money day in professional wrestling. Unheard of now, especially with new head Triple H giving all of his superstars off for the last week of December. So holiday, so Christmas shows are a thing of the past. But when they weren't, they were big, big box office. And every year, the NWA champion, no matter who it was, would spend their Christmases in Dallas. You see the shirt I'm wearing? Bad Street USA. I saw Iron Claw again today. Uh, please go see it, even if you're not a wrestling fan, uh, just because it's a very well done movie. I saw it first time as a hardcore wrestling fan. This time I saw it strictly as a moviegoer and a movie lover. And I enjoyed it both times, cried both times, but happy tears at the end. But Christmas Day in wrestling history, 1978, they got 16,000 people at the Superdome paying $78,000 for a $78,000 gate that would be $196,000 in today's money. Um. And that was when they crowned new uh, Mid-South North American Tag Team Champions, the team of Ernie Ladd and Stan Hansen, in the finals, lost to the team of Andre the Giant and Dusty Rhodes. Uh, yeah, and there was a great shot of those two holding the uh, world tag team, the only tag team championship that Andre the Giant had ever held at that time. Uh, he and Dusty were were the tag team champ, North American tag team champions. And you see Andre wearing the belt upside down. Uh, but that was Christmas Day, 1978. And of course, we can't talk about Christmas Day shows without mentioning Christmas Day, 1982. The Reunion Arena, Dallas, Texas, 
18,000 fans that was the record in Texas, in the state of Texas that day uh, for uh, a gate uh, in 1982 to see um, the world six-man tag team championship crown, the first ever six-man tag team championship crown, the team of Tom Steele, Tom and Mike Sharp, that Iron Mike Sharp, lost to the team of Terry Gordy, Michael Hayes, and David Von Erich. Uh, Buddy Roberts couldn't make the show. So David Von Erich, seeing that the Freebirds were going to be outnumbered two to three, the Freebirds came in as faces. And David Von Erich, because their brother Buddy Roberts couldn't be there, he said, I know what it's like not to have my brother. So just for this one night, I'm going to fill in for their brother, and I'm going to team up with the Freebirds. So David Von Erich scored the pin, and Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy were celebrating like they did all the work, and they were awarded the first six-man tag team championship. After the bout, David Von Erich said, guys, I appreciate it, but uh, Buddy Roberts is your partner, so I'm going to give up my third of the World Six-Man Championship. And I'll ho- and Buddy can can have it when he gets here. And big round of applause. Terry Gordy and Michael Hayes both hug David David Von Erich. The Freebirds are over like Rover. They're such great big baby faces there. The fans love them. And more so because later on that night, Michael Hayes was going to be the special guest referee in case so there was no shenanigans for the NWA World title match between NWA champion Ric Flair and Kerry Von Erich. Referee was David Manning, but Michael Hayes was there to make sure there would be no cheating and called right down the middle. And we talked about it ad nauseum. (laughs) Uh, Michael Hayes and got involved and Kerry Von Erich wouldn't take the pin after Michael Hayes knocked out Ric Flair and Kerry said he wouldn't do it. Michael Hayes says, to hell with you. Terry Gordy's outside. said, come on, Michael, let's go. Michael Hayes leaves the cage. Kerry Von Erich goes back and goes after him to plead his case. Ric Flair needs Kerry Von Erich in the back. Kerry Von Erich knocks him into Michael Hayes. All Terry Gordy sees is Kerry Von Erich throwing Michael Hayes out of the cage. Well, that's all he could stand. He can't stand no more. No more. And he takes the cage door and with all his might, swings it, slams the door shut on Kerry Von Erich. Terry Gordy falls down because of the way, because he couldn't keep his balance. And he created the single most repeated spot in the history of professional wrestling and the most famous spot in cage match history, slamming the door on the opponent. Ric Flair would retain the NWA Heavyweight Championship and the Von Erich versus the Freebirds feud was underway. Christmas Day, 1982. It's it's all the Von Erich's fault. All they had to do is not try to leave the ring. And yeah, all well, all Kerry had to do was pin Ric Flair after Michael Hayes just knocked him out. You stupid bastard. He didn't want to do that. God. 
the very next year, Christmas 1983, David Von Erich would pin Ric Flair um, in Christmas Day Star Wars and setting up their eventual bout, uh, which would be later on in 84. Um, David Von Erich versus Ric Flair at Texas Stadium. A match that never took place. Um, following year, 85, they still did 19,000 people uh, at Christmas Day. Kevin Von Erich versus Ric Flair. Um, and Mike and Kevin uh, also teamed up to defeat Buddy Roberts and Michael Hayes. The Freebird feud still going three years later. This one and this time involving Mike. But to see how far they've fallen... Dan, the Apex was in 84 and 85. They drew 19,000 people Christmas Day to Reunion Arena. By 1987, only three years later, they drew only 4,000 people to the Reunion Arena for the world-class heavyweight champion Alex Perez versus Kerry Von Erich. This was the uh the bout where Fritz von Erich got involved and uh had a heart attack and it was so realistic it was carried by the legitimate news in Dallas and in Dallas Fort Worth and the me- and most of the media reported on it. it was a big deal in professional wrestling the fact that it was shown it was actually shown on pro wrestling USA uh back in 1987 um there was a show hosted by Gordon Soley that kind of like what the wrestling news is now. They reported on all of professional wrestling with no bias, no anything, just reporting the news. So they were report on WWF, on the NWA, on the AWA. And in world class, the top story on Pro Wrestling USA was the heart attack that Fritz Von Erich suffered in the ring trying to protect his son. And for the next several weeks, Fritz's condition would get better or worse depending on how well the house shows were drawing. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't know uh, I even opened that window. Yeah. Uh, and if you see Iron Claw... That's why would... like he had a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, we talked earlier in this broadcast about uh, Lance Von Eric, why he was brought in uh, to... Uh, and the story behind he was Rick Vaughn, Ricky Vaughn in um, Pacific Northwest. He was a Pacific Northwest heavyweight champion. Then came to Texas to help out his cousins um, because Mike um, Von Eric was hurt. And uh, they needed a... And what I didn't know was Rick Vaughn, um, Ricky Vaughn, Lance Von Eric was already known in and around Texas. So... Everyone who knew Texas or grew up around Texas or watched wrestling there knew he wasn't a Von Eric. It would be like, what's a good example? Um, we were talking about our favorite morning radio show. Uh, yeah. Intern, if we find out the intern Kyle is Kyle McElwain, he's been Nick's <laughs> cousin this whole time. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone who knows Kyle knows that they aren't related at all. And it helped hasten the the demise of world class because it's it's one thing and that Fritz turned off a lot of people he 
almost to exploiting his son's deaths to get box office, to get sympathy. But now you're bringing in a fake Von Eric, and Kevin and Carrie were both vehemently against it. But it's like, now you think we're stupid? And then when, when Lance... Goes, yeah, I do think you're kind of stupid. <laughs> and when Lance left, when he asked for a raise... Um, then he was buried, you know, Fritz, you know, disowned him and he wanted the fans to boo him. And the fans were like, well, you're the ones who, you're the one who forced him on us in the first place. We didn't want him to begin with. And now you want us to boo him. Um, Make up your mind, Fritz. <laughs> yeah, I was watching this with um, my best friend, Nancy, and Holt McElhinney, who plays Fritz Von Eric. Every time he was on s- s- screen, as we got later in the movie and we saw how he treated his sons, she was like, I hate you. She said this out loud in the theater. I hate you. Every time he said something. He was a fucking piece of shit. You know, like, sorry. I'm not sorry. Not sorry. There's no getting around that. He was absolutely terrible to his family. Yeah, he was terrible. He was terrible as a boss. That is true. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, uh, he uh, wasn't a nice guy. And, you know, you saw in the trailer and those who didn't, he ranked his sons. He'd say out loud, well, Carrie's my favorite. And then it's David and then it's Kevin and then it's Mike. And, you know, the ranking, the ranking can change. You know, anybody can move up. Yeah. But this is what a father says to his to his sons. <laughs> so that was all that happens on Christmas. Um, yesterday, uh, you might have seen, uh, but it was a big deal if you follow anything on wrestling on social media. It was 40 years ago, yesterday, 40 years, December 26, 1983, Madison Square Garden. And people, re- you know, the garden was sold out this past weekend for punk. There was 24,592 people at Madison Square Garden on December 26, 1983 to see Bob Backlund lose the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship to the Iron Sheik. The camel clutch. Bob Backlund not, did not submit, but his manager Arnold Skolan threw in the towel and the Iron Sheik, much to the surprise, and it was like, if you watch the tape, um, nobody believed it was quiet. No one believed this was happening. I said, okay, well, Sheik won, but he's not the champion. But then a very young Howard Finkel said, and new. Yeah, no, that's how the match works, folks. Yeah. And Freddie Blassie running around the ring, ecstatic. He had never, ever managed a world champion before. And I should was say never happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fred Blassie was a world champion wrestler himself, but never managed a world champion. Tried like hell for many years to defeat Bruno. He couldn't do it. But Fred Blassie, or should I say Ayatollah Blassie, uh, managed the Iron Sheik to his first and only world heavyweight championship. And Freddie loved the heat. He loved being a part of the Iranian uh, heel. Uh, Sheik, one of the great, one of the greatest foreign heels of all time because he was a legitimate foreign heel, unlike Fritz von Erich, who some say the von Erich curse was because he played a Nazi so well. 
uh, when he was a heel wrestler. Um, being Fritz von Erich from, from Munich, Germany, not Joe Atkinson from Buffalo, New York. Um, but he's from New York. He's born in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Everything is fake about them. No, I'm, just, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> uh, he moved to Texas um, in his 20s, and um, that's where he set up his home there. But yeah, it's originally from. Stay there. <laughs> originally from New York. But uh, Khadro Vaziri, though, born and raised in Iran, um, uh, Olympic wrestler, Greco Roman champion. And at 40 years old, was the World Wide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion 40 years ago this week. Okay, we get it. 40 years ago. I get it. I'm 40. <laughs> right. uh, but, yeah. But I had 25,000 people at Madison Square Garden to see that um, title change. Um Wheels were already in place. Hulk Hogan had been signed to the WWE uh, the beginning of that mo- of this month, of December of 1983. So plans were already in motion for the title change to take place. Um, but the Sheik for at least a m- three weeks was the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. And uh, that cemented his legacy. Um and the the legend of the Iron Sheik. It's amazing. He it grew since then, but he was the world heavyweight champion. Um and no one could ever take that away from him. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. And I just wanna say to Ash and everyone else who's uh GM Spectre and a lot of new, a lot of new faces this year. Um, thank you, thank you, for, thank you for still watching HIAC Talk Radio. Appreciate. Uh, yeah, Ash. Every time I mention Ric Flair, I kind of mm. and the, when, you know, and the, 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 Hogan, Flair. I'm just like, I know, I know, but yeah. you know, they were everywhere. We can't, we can't Benoit them. Yeah. But and a, a quick as- shit on him every time. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. A, a quick aside to I don't know why the person who plays Ric Flair and Iron Claw gets so much heat. I guess people think that there is other better Ric Flair imitators out there, but it's a movie, and it's not for wrestling fans. It's for moviegoers, the people that know Rick know the name Ric Flair. It's just a person playing him, and because he doesn't sound like, act like do all the flair mannerism that we know now because the Ric Flair, you know, now is turned up to 11 at all times, even at 78. But the Ric Flair in 1983, where this movie's taking place was a different Ric Flair. And the guy playing him is an actor. So I don't know why it's. (laughs) Yeah. Ash, it's a movie. Not about Ric Flair. There you go. Yes, yes, exactly. Just like I said earlier, it's not it's a movie not about Lance Von fucking Eric, guys. No. Christ. No. And if MDF was good, they would have kept the season. I will say this though, for those of you who have not seen Iron Claw, watch Iron Claw and if you have it on DVR, it, it's available on YouTube. Watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode of the Von Erics right after that. It's a perfect companion. Yeah, yeah. Get real depressed. 
It's not even really different because when you when you see Iron Claw, Dan, and we're gonna guess what? When you do see it, we're gonna talk about the movie all over again because oh, we're now, have to. yeah, okay, oh, yes, because I want to get your take on it. Um, before we go, and I know you're tired, but I just want to get your opinion, uh, because it's one of the other news things items that dropped uh, earlier this week. I mentioned that Triple H is now in charge of WWE Creative. He's also in charge of the Hall of Fame. Oh, good. Burn it down. <laughs> oh, wait. It's not a real building? Never mind. No. But because he is and because he's not Vince and it's always been completely arbitrary, but I made it clear who I think should be in. But now that Triple H is in charge, who do you China. think? Okay. If you motherfucker don't put China in your first chance you get, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't I don't even care if it's to save face like I think she deserved it. You know, unlike Vince, Triple H only screwed over one woman without her consent, and it wasn't physically, it was mentally, which one would argue is just as bad. Um, or still bad. Uh so make it right, dude. Put her in. Put her in the pioneering wing. Because, you know, we can always debate her wrestling ability. Not about that. It's clearly not about that. Coco, beware. Um, sorry, Coco. I know yeah. you would agree with me, Craig, but... I'm I do agree saying. with you. He hasn't, been, he hasn't done anything to me, but... It, just saying. No. The, the fact that Coco beware is in any Hall of Fame, but Ivan Koloff is not... Um, Will always bother me, and the fact that Sunny is in, but China is not. Yeah, yeah, Sunny, who also did porn and is a Nazi. Yeah, and it's currently He's in serving, the Hall of Fame. Yes, and the same Sunny that's currently serving seventeen years in jail. Well, no, that's what I didn't know. It was seventeen years. Damn. Yes. Um, no, that's okay though. There's murderers in the Hall of Fame. Yes. It's fine. Uh, no, the first thing he do. First thing he do, <laughs> the first thing he should do is put China in. No question. And it should have been 10 years ago. Yes. It should have I, been before she died, folks. Yes. Well, she could have appreciated and she could have accepted it. Um I had I brought out a whole list of uh I wanted to get the the pioneers who should have been in a long time first and then work our way up to China. So go ahead. We'll do that next in two weeks when we okay. come back. We you got it. keep that list. Got it. We'll, we'll work on a list on in the chat, and then we'll present a list. This is uh, Triple H first ballot Hall of Fame in two weeks on HIC Talk Radio. Um, Craig. Oh, you can find me at Danlow eighty three on all social media platforms. Craig, where can people follow you? Uh, they can follow me on Facebook, on the f- formerly Twitter X, on Instagram, on Threads, on tick at the same name on all of those platforms Craig Legons C R A I G L I G E O N S Yes yes and as I said we'll be back in 2 weeks and we will present to you Hey Paul put these people in the Hall of Fame episode uh Craig Legons uh the absentee Derek Omega Squad and the rest thank you everyone for 2023 this is a year I'd rather forget So let's move on. Happy New Year. And always 
keep it on the paper.